You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. I'm Andre Pru from AndreWineReview.ca. And I'm Conrad Edgewick. I'm the guest host this week. Yeah, we're doing something a little bit different because Michael is off gallivanting in the uh, Southern Hemisphere. And I guess while the cat is away, I have free reign on the podcast to bring in whoever the hell I want. And I like to play. <laughs> and we've actually been talking about doing this for a while. You were kind enough to have us on your um, on your YouTube show, on your Pro channel. And uh, Pro and Con. Spelt with a K. Con spelt with a K. Pro and Con. And if anyone listening to this hasn't had a chance to check that out, apart from the fact that you can watch me and Michael talk about this podcast right when it was still early in its uh in its production but there's some really great interviews in there uh i know you've got one with uh steven spurrier that i'm i've had i've had uh, (laughs) i've had a lot of fun doing them and uh and i've had great access to some of the top people and i know just recently i talked to you if we just want to i don't know is it already up where you talked to kim crawford no, that's that's still in the works. Okay, so it's, we're gonna tease, tease we're gonna tease ahead. Then, for those of you who don't know Kim Crawford, that Kim Crawford, if you don't mind me, go for just it. Giving you a bit of a, a plug on what's coming up on Pro and Con, has started a new project called Love Block, and I've had a chance to taste these wines, and in my opinion, they're what New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc should taste like, as opposed to what it's become. I have a feeling you talked to him a bit about that. Uh, I well, a little bit about that. I didn't I, I didn't prod him on. To, to to giving his uh, his candid opinion about what he thought of all the rest of um, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc because I knew where it was going to go and I didn't want to embarrass him. <laughs> okay, that's fair <laughs> enough. Uh, but I have you here uh, really early. It's January 9th today, uh, and this is going to be released next week. So it's, it's January. So. And anyways, what, we'll, you know what day it is if you're listening to this. I don't know what day it is right now. And we've just come off a very cold snap here oh 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 ouch <laughs> i mean it's one of these things where i haven't been writing about wine as long as you have been writing about wine since about 2010 and it's been interesting to see the effects that these cold winters can have on the vineyards of niagara we had 2013 and 2014 which devastated the vineyards in the lake erie north shore caused widespread damage to certain varietals in uh in the beamsville and niagara and uh, prince edward county fared out better because they bury their vines. I just thought I'd, we'd talk a little bit about cold. Well, currently this year, right now, I think that they're faring a little better than they do in many years because we also had a lot of snow. Yes. And, I, and that does give it a little bit of a blanket. And that's been something that I, I've been trying to figure figure out is how much snow has been in some of the vineyards. And if you take a look at uh, Glen Elgin Vineyard Management, that's the, the right. Wismer family. Right. They had an amazing photo of some of the rows of the vines just completely hilled yes, up exactly. with snow. There's been a lot of snow. I, all the pictures I've seen are snowy. And and I was actually speaking with someone at Brock earlier this week just to see what sort of effect this, this weather's going to have. Because now here we are today on the 9th and the weather has swung literally 25 degrees in the other direction and it's going to go even warmer in the next couple of days i just you know i always have one eye on the vineyards and one thing i was told is that if we take a look at the calendar we still have two months of winter to go so i don't yes, even think we can speculate on days 72 days man <laughs> we can't even speculate on what sort of, of of damage this might have but i thought this would be a good opportunity to maybe talk to you a little bit about how things have evolved over the past 30 years with how people fare in the winters well, you know, they have evolved. The wines have changed. I mean, I brought along 
uh, a, a wine here that kind of shows you a bit of the evolution in the wine itself, right? Um, but it was made differently back then. It was mm-hmm. made a little more more gung-ho pioneering, let's do what we can, let's mm-hmm. figure this out, right? Now I think it's a very sophisticated process. Everyone knows what they're doing. They know how to control things. And, and when I judged the first few years, um, there might be... 15 ice wines at the end of a, uh, a a couple from Lake Erie North Shore, uh, one from Pelee Island and a bunch from Niagara. They were all over the place. Chemical problems, you know, microbiological, you know, growths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> terrible, terrible wines at the time. Um, but they were still enjoyable for the public because they were they were extremely sweet, mm-hmm. right? So, but if if you looked at you know the nuances, the the nose, etc., they were they were just completely broken up. Now you don't get that at all. Mm-hmm. Like we do tastings now of forty, fifty wines, and there are no flaws at all, mm-hmm. right? They're all on par. They're just stylistically different. Some are lighter, some are fuller, some are richer, some are lusher, Mm -hmm. but they all have a decent balance and offer a wonderful drink. And this is talking about, we're talking about ice wine in specific right now? Specifically. Well, yeah, that's that's exactly what I I thought we were talking about. All right. And Cold I, weather, ice wine. I think we're that's a great a place to go. We're holding a glass of ice wine. We're holding a glass of... Well, yeah, let's talk a bit about what we got. And finally, I get to... uh, uh, rub it into Michael that he's not here to well, taste it because I've been on the you. I've been on the receiving end of some of the tastings he's done in St. Catharines where I haven't been able to taste. So what do we got here, Conrad? Okay, so what we've got is a Malivoire 1999 Riesling Ice Wine, and this one is from grapes taken from Hansburger Farms. And this has got to be a rare uh, red type of Riesling, judging by the color of the wine. In our well, glass. no, not red. It's 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 browning. It's amber. It's copper. It's got a wonderful, wonderful. Um, I would call it like an Oloroso sherry color. Yes, definitely. Okay, in that range. Uh, but and and when you take take on the nose, you're also getting. Um, um, a, a, gosh, it's not it's not rancio like you would get in a fine cognac, but you're getting. Obvious signals of fruit that is transitioning from fruity to like figgy, like to, to like dried yep. to, to into the dried zone. But it's it's still not even like fully into the dried zone yet because it's, it's interesting. Not, not there's, there yet. Because there's is... some ice wines where even after like ten to fifteen years, they'll start to smell a little nutty. Mm-hmm. And there's no nuttiness to mm-hmm. this. Well, I got, I got a little nuance of nougat there at the beginning, just as I was. It's and really. I think it's going to come out as the wine warms up a bit and opens up in the air. I think you'll get a little more, little more uh, additional complexities. But I brought that just to show you what you can do at twenty years. It's this wine it's is, is old enough to buy a bottle of itself. <laughs> <laughs> Not in this province. Oh, wait, no, it would be in this province if it was picked in. Uh, no, this is nineteen. Yeah. It's nineteen. Here you can, right? Yeah, definitely can. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. It tastes so good. It's really Orange interesting though, because that yeah, because it's got that it's got a really great like citrus Tension, note and, balance, fantastic, and less sort of like honey and apricot, which you will usually get a lot of when a riesling ice wine is when young. younger. But here, I, I do get apricot, but it's into that dried apricot, yeah. really into the dried apricot note. Oh, and there we go. And the finish is a little bit nuttier on it. Hmm. Wow. And I don't sweet know, and clean. Sweet yeah, definitely and clean. sweet and clean. Oh, yeah. And let's uh, let's add this. It's a Malivore 99, and 
The so back this, label. The, the, the back label says an early morning harvest on December twenty fourth, nineteen ninety nine. Okay. Okay. Just before the end of the the breaking millennium. You know, one of the final lines of mine. And it has a list of people here. There's a, there's a few. I'll read them. Jim Barry, Brad DeBoer, David Douglas, Elizabeth Douglas, Daryl Fields, Donald Fields, Charlie Hayes, Jeremy Hayes, Wayne Philbrick, Elena Gailey Pride, and her husband, partner, Stan Pride, who passed away recently, mm. um, and made by Ann Sperling. Yes. Produced by Ann Sperling. Ann Sperling was the winemaker on that wine. Yes. And it's it's brilliant, Ann. It really is brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant wine. You know, I think it is something that um, hopefully people are going to start to come back to. Because right now, I think even amongst writers, ice wine is sort of relegated to the, oh, we're shipping it by the container to China, so we don't need to pay as much attention to it. But once you pull it out in the right situation with the right food... And you actually brought some gougere with us, too, so it's a little bit salty and creamy, mm-hmm. and um, it makes just a really great match. I think the biggest problem that we've been having is people get a bottle of, of ice wine and it says dessert wine, and I've been saying that, you know, for 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 ages, people have been serving it at the wrong time. They've been serving it with well, dessert. Well, for dessert. But with dessert, not for dessert, with dessert. With dessert. And often the dessert itself might be sweeter than, yes. the, than the ice wine. Yes. Um. But yeah, no, but what we've got here are, are, are some little gougere, little puffs. Um, this, exactly as you said, the saltiness works, and, and we've had no other wines. This is not at the end of a dinner. And nope. We've had, but this is just, just an opening wine, and that's all there is. And as an ice wine, it's actually very brilliant. You know, the French love ruby port as their aperitivo. I did not know that. Yeah, no, that's like, that's like I would say, 50% of the ruby port produced is shipped out in bulk to France okay. where it is then rebottled and goes into all the supermarkets as your local ruby port which people serve automatically as their aperitivo. So what do you think needs to happen here either on the marketing side for the wineries or in just the mind of the consumer to make Canadians fall in love with ice wine? Oh, and, do you, and do you think we can do that? I, I think Canadians are in love with ice wine. I think it's just it's just like like how close can you get to the celebrities? There's always you know the the velvet cords and the, and the security. You can't get close to it. Main and here the security is price. Yeah, price is is, is what what makes it unattainable for most people. And you know I, I think it's one of the things too. Where in in terms of of, of price. I've said before on this podcast, one of the worst feelings as a wine lover, lover is opening up a bottle of wine, and it's not that the wine's cork; it's that the wine doesn't deliver on the price. If exactly. you feel like you're ripped off, exactly. that's the worst feeling to me. And I think the problem with, with ice wine, I don't think it's fair to ask the wineries to necessarily lower the price, because it is a very expensive product to make. Not at all. It takes a lot more fruit to make. Yeah. It uh, takes a lot more labor to make. It has very strict conditions under which to make it. It's um, it's not an easy product to put in the bottle. Truly, truly, no, truly, it's not. It's complicated on on every side. I saw pictures today. I think it was from, uh, uh, I think it was from Kinte, okay. uh, of the press being opened out in this big long log of frozen yeah. skins, yeah. And, and they have to clean that up. My God, I mean, there's so much work around that. Yeah, and in these temperatures. And I mean, making a regular a regular bottle of wine, you still have to deal with the same 
thing, the byproduct, pressing right. grapes, you have skins and things like that. Right. But, but you're only getting 15% of the returns yeah. that you as you would with, uh, with uh, standard wines. Yeah, so let's just say even on a bottle of a 750-milliliter bottle at... $45 or $50, double that. That's $100 for 750 milliliters. And if you're only getting 15%, the math just... But you're still getting a pretty good deal if you're comparing it to the amount of fruit that's going into a bottle of table wine. Well, plus, plus, I mean, you know, like when you're bottling something like this, this isn't a... Is this a 375? Yes. This is a... No, this is a no that's a 200 mil bottle. And that bottle costs as much as the uh, as a regular 750 bottle. Hmm. Right, your cork costs just as much. The labeling costs just as much. Right? So we need to start putting the wine in smaller bottles, so it's a lower well, price you per put volume. It in a small bottle. I mean, two hundred mil. I, I took a two hundred mil bottle uh, just after Christmas to 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 a friend's just to to, to pour after dinner, mm-hmm. and it was four tiny liqueur glasses. Boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom. That was it. We poured out the glass, and we each had uh, a nice, you know, clink and uh, and a clink and a drink. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all you get. Mm-hmm. And I can't recall what I think that was the. Oh, I tell you what it was. It was the Shattered de Charm that was just released. Okay. Shattered de Charm ice wine was just released, and I believe it's a uh, two hundred mil, twenty six ninety five. Is that the Vidal? Sound, does that sound right? Yeah, I think yeah, so. I think it's about right. I think that sound right. Yeah, it's. it's I, I remember seeing yeah. that and thinking the price it was, was very it good was on it. So so pleasant to just have, and it's brand new. It's very young, so it doesn't didn't have any of the complexity that you've got. On this wine here, yeah. But for the four of us, just to be able to share that one little mouthful of of Canadian nectar, yeah, right, which then sits on your palate for the longest time in front of a fireplace, crackling fireplace, yeah, right. Little pieces of chocolate on the side and yeah. some pastries, and it was wonderful. That sounds great. Yeah, but how often does that happen? Not often enough. Yeah. Now here's a couple of ideas. I mean, like we've not had. A meal, and this is now dessert. No, this is our We're appetizer. This is, this is our appetizer, <laughs> and and a glass of ice wine with something like this, something salty. Yeah, you know, some smoked salmon or something. Yeah. Will, will you know it? It contrasts so well. Um, the best is not made for volume drinking. No, it isn't. Um, the best pairing that I did with ice wine last year was I made some homemade uh, buttermilk fried chicken. And I had a, a 375 milliliter bottle of Riesling ice wine from Pondview because I was working on a on a column about counterfeit ice wine. You can actually find the recipe for uh, the buttermilk fried chicken on my website, andrewinerview.ca, and you can find the counterfeit ice wine piece on there as well. There's Pondu's, a recipe for counterfeit ice wine? Uh, sorry, not the recipe, the column on it. Jeez, I think I'm just starting to go into cruise control here. Um but it was just really interesting. Same thing at 375, I was able to split a little bit more, so we had a good, yeah, good mouthful of it to go with it. But yeah. just having that sweetness to contrast with the salt and the greasiness, it was, it was just unbelievable. Especially the way that ice wine can sort of coat coat your mouth a little bit with that 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 syrupy fa- syrupy feeling with the fried chicken, which pretty much has the same sort of effect on your mouth. Yes. It, it worked in perfect tandem where it was amplifying things and the flavors of the other Absolutely. Dish. It's, like, it's almost like becoming a, a sweet sauce. It's integrating with, uh, with what you're eating and becoming a sweet sauce. Yes, absolutely. 
So when we're talking, when you're talking about now about how we can open up forty ice wines in front of us from the wineries of, of Niagara and find not a, a, a single fault, is there a particular vintage that you can remember where maybe there was a turning point that um, things really got a lot, lot better? Yeah, I would say it was sometime in the in the mid nineties. Okay, I can't say specifically. Okay, um, uh, sometime after ninety two, ninety three. Is ninety two the bird year? I know there's one year where everyone lost all their fruit no, to birds. No, 83. 83. 83 was going to be the first year that they made ice wine. Okay. And they didn't net them up. Okay. And all of the grapes were eaten by birds. I was born in 83, so right. I right. guess there I won't be no finding 80, any. There are no 83. The first ice wine was 84. That's heartbreaking. I'll never be able to find an ice wine from my I was thinking here. of bringing one of those along. but. <laughs> um. So in the mid '90s, then what what was the big change then? Like what what really brought the change well, to push I think, quality higher? I think um, I think global attention, okay, right? Global attention really really brought more focus to it, and and winemakers just it just clicked. You can't say it just clicked. Post VQA, mm-hmm. there were some rules, there were some standards, there were some minimums. Right, it had to be at least this. He had to be at least this. Now it's totally controlled. You have to you have to actually declare in the springtime how many how many rows of grapes you're going to net up in the fall and save for ice wine, and that's what you're limited to. Yeah, and, and I know too from speaking to people at VQA that there are actual inspectors that can pop up on your property when you're harvesting the ice wine to make sure that absolutely the specific not, strict conditions are being met that you're using ice wine grapes actual grapes that, yeah. and they know where they came from yeah they know how many you could possibly you know harvest from this area and they know how much you could possibly squeeze from that yeah and they're monitoring everything yeah that's the audit process. That's another reason I'm not in the wine business. Yes, I couldn't stand all that monitoring. <laughs> <laughs> well, the levels of bureaucracy are are like it's it's mind blowing how many different levels along the way you have to deal with. Right from well, especially with ice wine because it's it's the product that we export. Yes, it is like it's like the flagship of the Canadian wine industry in the export market for now. That's right. Which is why, which is why. You know, John Chang could have picked another product to uh, to try to import into China. Yeah. But with ice wine, there was just so much focus on it. Yeah. That's an interesting story. You know, it's not a finished story yet. No. No. And for those of you who don't know, John Chang is someone we've talked about. He's the current owner of Lely, the owner of uh, Lulu Winery in BC, and is currently in prison where it's alleged that he... Did not de- properly declare. Yes, did not so properly called. declare the value of ice wine he was importing in China, and right. as a result, no one really knows what's going on at Lely in Niagara. I'll be honest; I haven't looked into what's happening at at Lulu, but it's really another part to a story that people have no idea what's going on, and we really hope. Yeah, no, it's one of those that we just have to wait. It's yeah. one of those that develops slowly, especially because there are foreign governments involved. Yeah, 
Now, I know we've talked a bit about ice wine. Just, I, I sort of have one question that I've been, I've been curious about over the years. And I'm not sure if you would know the answer to it. But given the fact that we seem to be having kind of more extreme weather in the summer and the winter, have, has there ever been talk in Niagara of people burying vines with, with dirt or doing anything like they're doing in Prince Edward there, County? There's been, there's been some talk. Some people have, have speculated maybe that we should do this. Yeah. From, from their perspective, they're saying maybe we should do this. Maybe we should, you know, but that's a lot of work. That yeah, adds a lot of adds a lot of cost to the process. Yeah, and how often do they need that? Yeah. Well, right? I guess so we're now at the point. Question of we had we had two in a row, right? And when was the last one before 2013? I don't pay attention to those numbers. <laughs> well, there we go. Okay, so it's, it's you know what I mean? Yeah, like you know who pays attention is the people who are losing their vines. Yeah, because they have to replant those vines. Ice wine, the 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 the, the process of making ice wine is hard on those vines. Yes. Um, so they lose some every year. That's part of the natural, you know, okay, it's a, lose this many. Yeah. Frost, lose this many, replant them, and get them going again. Yeah. That's interesting. It's just like cost of doing business. Huh. I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe we can we can we can sort of wrap it up. We're about to get into doing some dinner here, but I think I want to enjoy this ice wine and yeah, yeah. This this ice wine. I, I this ice. By the way, this ice wine you're holding it probably in your hand has a, a supreme cork, a plastic, yep. a black black plastic, black cork. plastic cork. You know, you can't even you can't even use it to erase pencil marks. So it'll just leave black stains on the, on a piece of paper. It's actually really interesting because I think your reaction when you saw the cork, you were worried. What I was, was very going. concerned, but you know what I want to say is that this wine has, well, it's 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 in brilliant condition. Yes, um, I do wonder if the cork I, has affected the, de- the deterioration of color a little bit because it is in a, a like it's in a very dark green. This is green. Yeah, right? no, this to me this is absolutely correct for this age. Yeah, yeah, that's why I brought it because I wanted to show you that color. Yeah, that color's really interesting. Right? I want to show you. That's that's the natural progression of an ice wine. This is a Riesling ice wine. So so a Vidal ice wine would be even browner. Yeah. Okay? It would be even darker because well, it would be further along on its... I, I recently got a chance to taste uh, 1998 Riesling ice wine from Southbrook. Okay. And the color was... We, we were at the oh, same yeah, tasting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were sitting side by and side. And it was, it was another one that had yeah. aged very well. But the thing that's really fascinating about this is like... These wines are evolving, but they're basically timeless. Like, I would hold on to this for another 20 years just to see how it would evolve even further. I'm I'm very, very sad that we only figured out ice wine in 1984 because I believe this will, this will age 200 years in a good cellar. You know, it's such high acidity, such high sugar, um, balanced alcohol. The tension in this wine is just, it's just zinging on my palate we just need to find a, a way to way. Uh, to live 200 years wait i'd have to well live. that's the thing but i mean so so i wish that we'd been doing this at the time that yeah. the original germans had because we would then have those examples to taste now right so unfortunately those examples will be available if we don't drink them all to future generations and they will see how they change but i've got not a few die i've got a few in my closet that i'm holding on to for for down the road, and you I know should. you've got a few Collect in yours. Uh, hold back a, a few for sure. Yeah, because it's amazing how ice wines will change. I once did. I'll, I'll tell you, um, I was once invited to do 
one of the original, what's it called, um, uh, Sounds of the Season on CBC. It okay. was their Christmas special. Okay. And that meant, and at the time, I was on, I was at a, on the noon show, and at the time, it, it was out of Ottawa. And so currently, Ottawa doesn't participate in the Toronto Sounds of the Season annual Christmas show. Yes. But in those days, we were invited to take part. Okay. okay, I was in Toronto, but the producers came down. So we had to do this thing in the Glenn Gould studio on stage. And I wanted to do something that was going to knock people's socks off visually because we're going to have a, an audience of 250 to 300 people. Yes. Right? And, you know, microphones, everything. You know how stages are. They're completely yep. covered in, in mess, etc. And I had to capture people's attention. So what I happened to have were um, some miniatures of ice wine. Currently, they're like seven ninety-five. The Inniskill in miniatures, 50 yes. mil. Yeah. And I had some from, um, I think it was 1986. Okay. And this was 1996, because I know that there was a 10-year difference. So this was probably 1997, because I I called up the winery, and I asked them for the most recent ice wine they had. And I also asked for a couple of handfuls to hand out to people in the the audience as little prizes. Yeah. Right? But on stage, I poured into two glasses the most recent one and the miniature that was 10 years old. Okay. And it was like this color. Already after oh, 10 yeah, years. Oh, yeah, it was this color. It was maybe just a touch darker. Yeah. But they were both brilliant in in that they they explored, you know, their own youth or age or, you know, youth or maturity. Yeah. Youth or development, I say. I couldn't say maturity because it's not near mature. Yeah. But it made me, it, 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 it doing that in public made caused me to think about writing a column recommending to people that they purchase these miniatures every year by the handful and that they create their own miniature ice wine cellar and anytime you want you can go back and i'm going to pull i'm going to pull one of these vintages and i'm going to pull one of these vintages and we're going to pour two miniature glasses you can do a tasting like that that's really great advice even for even for now because i think i think for a lot of people who don't know where to start when it comes to collecting wine that's a great place to start because it can be a little overwhelming when you go to the vintages section and you see on the vintages website you can order Bordeaux futures and you just feel like you need to spend a lot of money. You don't need to spend a lot of money. Well, it's an easier way to start collecting ice wines because because you know this side uh, forty and fifty and in the case of the Inniskill and Stop Ice Wine or or Ferox, which is about to be released, mm-hmm. Ferox from Fabian Rice. Yeah, um, I think that's eighty six dollars or eighty nine dollars. That's okay. made in Acacia. Did he put that in Acacia as well? I'm not sure if he put that one in Acacia. Okay. He's doing um, a lot of stuff with Acacia, a, a Dorn, Acacia barrels. What's unique about it is a Dornfelder Grape Friday, which is Red Grape Friday. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's and I've tasted it for an article I'm doing uh, that will be released next year um, or later this year. It's, uh, it, it's actually very complex and very interesting wine. Well, but the bottom line is you can't afford to to, to collect those eighty dollar bottles. No, miniatures at seven ninety five. You can, and you just buy a few each year and add to your collection, and before you know it, you've got a really nice collection of. You could do a vertical of ice wines. <laughs> now we're getting a little snobbier. We're getting well, a little classier than we usually are when Michael's here. Um, so people can find you on on Twitter and on Instagram. 
Wine Zone. Yep, Wine Zone at Wine Zone on Instagram and on Twitter. Geez, I was so disappointed today. I went on Instagram and it's just plugged with sponsored photos. You got to start following other people. It's oh, people suddenly, are... it's oh, suddenly, <laughs> <laughs> it's suddenly loaded with <laughs> with um, people. Got to people got to get paid, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know. Talk commenting about Instagram is another podcast for another time. Right. Uh, thank you for coming to co-host while Michael's away. Oh, sorry about that phone uh, there. Oh, that's okay. That's it's my, better. We usually, Henry, we usually have Henry. We usually have Henry barking in the background. That's my ringtone. You know, that's the ringtone. That's now the the music for the pro and con. Pro yep. and con, which is the YouTube show I do. That's where people can find you. And people can find me at Andre Wine Review. Remember, you can read Michael Pincus at uh, Michael Pincus Wine. Wait, geez, I don't even know what Michael's website is. You can follow him on social media at the Grape Guy. MichaelPinkus.com, no? MichaelPinkusWineReview.com. Anyways, we'll figure this out. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.